This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, today to begin with, I want to talk to you first and foremost about the great commandment. If you can put that up, Keaton, that'd be great. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31, it says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. When asked basically, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Jesus basically sums it up for us. He says, love God and love people. We're here today because we love God and we want to learn how to love people. Amen? And then we see this not only in Mark chapter 12, we see this throughout all of the Gospels. But in addition to the great commandment, the the commandment that Jesus gives us to love our neighbor, we also know that he's also given us a commission, what we call the Great Commission. Next slide. The Great Commission is this. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, so God the Father gave Jesus all authority, not some authority, but all. That's really important. He says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. So Jesus commissions his disciples to go in the authority that the Father has given him. Did you guys catch that? All authority has been given to me, therefore go. God has given me power and authority over this world. Therefore, in that same power and authority, I want you to operate and to go. And he says to do what? To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he tells us to go in the authority that he's given us and in the power of his name. We're gonna make disciples in the authority that God has given us and in the power of his name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One of my professors used to say it this way, baptizing people in the reality of the Trinitarian universe. How cool is that? We're immersing people in the reality of the God of the cosmos and his great love story that he's invited us into, amen? So we know we've been given a great commandment to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor, and then to go in his authority, with his power, with his name. Verse 20, and teaching them to obey, go back, Keaton, you had it right, and teaching them, go back, nope, go forward, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. All right, so we're discipling people, we're doing so in the authority and the power of God's name, and we're teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This part's a little harder to do. Because people naturally don't want to obey anybody. People naturally want to do their own thing, especially in the U.S. of A. (laughs) And Jesus says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he gives us this promise of, of his presence. He gives us the assurance that he's going to be with us when we do this. If he didn't give us the assurance that he was going to be with us, most of us wouldn't go. To be honest, I wouldn't want to go. If I knew that God wasn't going to be with me in this commission that he's given me to fulfill, I wouldn't want to go. 
But he says, I want you to go forth in my authority, with my name, with my power, with the understanding that you're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize them in the full reality of who I am. And then you're going to teach them to obey everything that I've taught you and commanded you to do. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. I love that promise that God gives us in our going. Next slide, keeping first things first. The first thing I want to say to us about evangelism is this. Evangelism is first and foremost about sharing God's love with others. It's about sharing the love of God with people. But before we can share God's love with others, we must first learn to love him well. So how's your love relationship with God going today? For those of you watching online, how's your love relationship with God going today? When we talk about keeping first things first, this is the most important thing that we have to be about. We've got to be about loving our king, about loving our savior, about spending time with Jesus, because it's out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus that we get to share his love with others. Moving forward, when we share God's love with others, we do so from a place of oneness with him. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus modeled this for us. He only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus only did what he, see, what he saw the Father doing. Listen to what it says in John chapter five. John five verse 19 says this, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son of God can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, that's what the Son also does. So Jesus was so synced up with the Father that he only did what he sensed the Father doing, what he could see the Father working in. This is really important for us because when we share our faith with others, when we go out, when we talk to people, we want to be all about what the Father is doing. We want to say, God, where are you working at? Where are you already at work? And how do we get involved in that? How do we stay synced up with that? That's really, really important for us. The end goal of love is this. And I love the way Cheyenne, uh, who's a pastor out of California, says it. He says, the end goal of our love and communion with Jesus must never be for the sake of achievement. This is hard for doers and achievers like myself. I have my list of to-dos, I have my goals, I have my dreams, I have the things that I want to accomplish, and sometimes it's easy for us to put evangelism into this category, to put people into this category, but, but Pastor Chan says this, we must never do this for the sake of achievement, even when that achievement is bringing lost souls into the kingdom. That is selfish and deceptive. So true. The reason we're going to go out today is love. Our why is love. The great commission to go and make disciples flows out of the great commandment to love God and to love people. Are you with me today? I know it's early. So I wanted to find some terms for us. Let's start with evangelism because this is why we're here today. Evangelism is sharing the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the power and love of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? It's sharing the good news. The word gospel means good news. It's meant to be proclaimed. As I said on Sunday, it's meant to be heard. It's meant to be shared with words. It's meant to be articulated. And it is the good news of not just the death of Jesus. That's important. 
Without the death, there can be no resurrection. But without the resurrection, our hope is in vain. Our faith, Paul says, is in vain. So it's the good news of both the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we do so in the power and in the love of the Holy Spirit. As we see in the Great Commission, Jesus has commissioned us with power to go. And we see that in and through the role of the Holy Spirit. Moving forward, evangelism is a get to, not a have to. Meaning we don't evangelize out of a sense of duty. We don't do so from a place of guilt. We don't do so from a place of obligation. We do so from a place of joy and delight. So if you're here today, or you're watching online, and you've never shared your faith with somebody because you've seen it as a duty, or as a chore, or as an obligation, I want to invite you into this from a place of delight. I want you to experience the joy of the Lord in such a way that it compels you to want to share your faith with others. I got to be honest, that's really what I want to see for this church. I want to see people full of the joy of the Lord, so just overflowing with God's goodness and love that they can't help but want to share it. Amen? It's not that they have to, it's that they get to. You and I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the earth. He's building a church, one disciple at a time, one person at a time, one family at a time. And we're excited to be a part of that work here in Utah. Why is evangelism important? Number one, because God deserves honor and glory. When we share our faith with others, it glorifies God and it brings him honor. Number two, because it brings God joy. God actually delights and our sharing our testimony with people, and our sharing what God's done in our life. And number three, because it was Jesus's priority. We actually see this in the life of Jesus and in his ministry. So how did Jesus share good news? He announced the coming of God's kingdom. Next slide. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He cured lepers. He bound up the brokenhearted. He set the captives free. He destroyed the works of the devil. Jesus said, it is for this reason that the Son of Man has appeared, to destroy the works of the evil one. And all these other things that we see on this list are just a manifestation of him doing that, of him working that out, amen? That's how Jesus shared good news. He didn't just tell people about the kingdom, he did. He said, the kingdom of God has come near you, is at hand. It's available, so repent, right? Be changed. Turn away from the way you used to think about God and turn towards what God is doing now among you. And then he demonstrated it. He healed people. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He performed many wonders and many signs to confirm that the kingdom of God was among them. And that's how he wants it to be for us as well. So how do we share good news? We do exactly what Jesus did. We do it in his name and in the authority that he has given us to do it. On Sunday, I talked a lot about this, and Matthew 10 provides us one of the best examples of what God actually calls each and every one of us to do. Here it is, in case you weren't with us. Verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out the demons because freely you've received, now freely you give. I want to shift our attention now from looking at Jesus to doing what I call lifestyle evangelism. To give you another term and another definition, lifestyle evangelism 
is our whole life's message and witness about God. It's when people look at your life, the question they ask is, what, what does it say about God? I like the way one of my pastors used to say it. If you were put on trial for being a disciple of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Isn't that good? I'll say it one more time for our online audience. If you were put on trial for being a disciple of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That should challenge each and every one of us because what it's saying is, what's your life look like? How is your life testifying to the goodness and glory of God? Is your witness or the message that your life is giving off like cheap perfume or is it like fine perfume? Derek Prince, author and and preacher once asked that question. He said, is your witness like a cheap perfume where it comes on strong, just overwhelms people? Or is it like a fine perfume where it comes on a little bit at a time, but it leaves a lingering aroma long after you're gone? See, good perfume does that. It's there long after you've left. And that's what we want our witness to be. That's what we want people to say about us when we leave the room is like, wow, there's just something about what they have with God that I want. There's something about this Jesus that I want to know more about. Amen? Amen. So we see that. And we also know that how we share good news really matters. How we share the truth about what God has done in and through Christ Jesus is just as important as what we share about him. I would say this is really important in our day and age, especially because of the misperceptions that people have about God and the church and Jesus. And I would say also because of what people have experienced from other Christians, be it online, through social media, be it in this last season of COVID and political cycles and election seasons, how we share the truth is just as important as what we share when we share the truth. We always share good news as Christ followers in humility and in love. We have received this gospel and we have received this good work of Jesus and as a result, we should be in love and we should remain humble, amen? Because we too were once sinners. We too were once enemies of God. We too were once hostile towards Jesus. So we should always share the good news in humility and love. We must not be easily offended. You see, many people that we're gonna encounter today and, and throughout the next few months are gonna be wounded and hurt, some even by other believers. So we don't take insults personally. If people insult you today, just say, no problem, brother. No problem, sister, I'll be praying for you, okay? But we must be willing to invest time because every person matters. Every story matters. I really believe this. Jesus modeled this for us. He invested in his disciples. He invested in people that he was sharing good news with. He went and spent time with, with them at their houses. He ate with Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and people that were broken and marginalized. He spent time because their story mattered. We must never consider people as a number to be added, next slide, to a quota. We always gotta treat people with dignity and this is really important. We also need to be open to other ways that people respond. Sometimes people want to first attend a group or come to church or meet up for coffee. Sometimes they want to get dinner. Sometimes they're not ready even really to hear everything that you've got to say. So sometimes it's just planting the seed and walking away. I want to look at a couple of biblical responses that we see to evangelism in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. If you haven't read the book of Acts, 
when you're going out with us during this season, read the book of Acts. It will really encourage you in your faith. It'll embolden you and strengthen you in your faith. Listen to what it says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This was Peter. Peter took a little bit of a, a hard-handed approach, okay? He says to, the, to his audience, you crucified Jesus. And this Jesus who you crucified, who you put to death, guess what? God has made him Lord and Messiah. And then he says, and then the Bible says this, when the people heard this, they're actually cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Ultimately, this is the ideal response. We want to see people go, man, I, I, am, I am cut to the heart. Like what you're saying really resonates with me. What do I need to do? And sometimes you'll find that that will be people's response. What do I need to do? Okay, what's, what's my next step? That's, what we, that's kind of the language we use today, next steps. What's, what's the next thing I need to do? I love that response. And then Peter replies, next verse, verse 38, repent, okay? Turn away, change your mind, and be baptized. Every one of you, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that God instantly wants to give us gifts. He instantly wants to give people the Holy Spirit. And so we should expect that God wants to do that. Amen? Amen. I want to look at six essential truths to sharing your faith. Number one, the gospel. We share our faith. We share the good news of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. Amen? It's not a, a work that we can boast in. It's a work that we boast in that's of God. We also know that we can call people's attention to the way that God created the world. We, we use the law, for example. In Romans, Paul says that all creation testifies to it. It says that, that even written upon people's hearts is the, the conscience and understanding that they've sinned against the holy God, even if they don't know it. So sometimes even just calling attention to the holiness of God can be helpful. Number three, we call attention to repentance, to the need to repent, to turn from our sin and to accept this great and good work. Number four, faith. We call people to be a people of faith, to believe by faith, to walk by faith, to grab a hold of every promise of God for their life by faith. We are saved by grace through faith, not by our own works. In this culture, that's really important. That's really important when you encounter somebody from another faith, from somebody that's grown up maybe within the LDS tradition. They've been taught that they're saved by their works, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Number five, baptism in water and with the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in both. We want to baptize people in water as a public confession for their faith, but we also know that a part of that deal is them receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, like Peter talked about in Acts 2. And then, of course, helping them get commitment to a, helping them commit to a local church. We don't want to just turn people around and make them lone rangers. We want them to be spiritually accountable to other believers and members in the body of Christ. We can't grow without the help of other people. So these are six essential truths that are important for us to remember when we're leading people to Jesus. So how do we do it? How to lead a person to Christ. I want to move through this pretty quickly for the sake of our time. But first, we initiate. We initiate a conversation. This is what most of us are going to do today. 
asking a question is often a good way to start. Uh, we use the natural occasion that people are in to get their attention. So if you're in a coffee shop, sometimes like, hey, what did you get? What kind of drink is that? Oh, that, that's a caramel macchiato cinnamon twist. <laughs> wow, how do I get one of those? We, we, we start with a question, we initiate. And then, hey, would it be okay if maybe I, I prayed for you today? I'm out here today just with my friends and with my family. We're just enjoying some coffee and we're, we're praying for people. That's a great way to initiate a conversation. Ask a question, use the natural occasion that they're in to get their attention. Sorry, I keep seeing this hair fly in front of my face. We also use interest. We draw the person's interest. We take a, genu a genuine interest in them as well. We listen. Don't be so quick to speak that you don't give people the opportunity to share what's on their heart. Because oftentimes what's on their heart is the connection to the way that God wants to minister to them, amen? So we wanna be good listeners as well. So we initiate, we, we draw their interest, we take interest in them, we listen well, and then we add intrigue. We add intrigue. Jesus was intriguing. Jesus was probably one of the most intriguing people to be around. He aroused people's curiosities. Uh, here's an example of a way that you can do this. Nine years ago, I would have felt the same way, but since then, my outlook on life has totally changed. See, sharing your story is actually key. Sometimes you'll encounter somebody who says, you know what, I, I just don't want anything to do with God. And you can say, you know what, six to seven, whatever it is for you, 10 years, <laughs> 30 years ago, I was in that same spot. <laughs> sharing your story is a great way to add intrigue to arouse people's curiosity. Huh, well, why have you been following Jesus long? Why does that work for you, right? So giving people the opportunity to come back with a question, to, to add intrigue, that's really important. We also wanna inquire. We wanna make inquiries about the person. Here's a few examples. Do you have any type of religious background? You might wanna ask people that. You know, you ever, you ever been a part of a church or anything like that? Most people will tell you like straight up, like, yeah, I used to be this or yeah, I used to be that. Um, what about have your ideas about God changed? Are you interested in spiritual things? Are you Most people will say, you know what, I'm not very religious, but I'm very spiritual. I'm interested in spiritual things, but I'm not very religious, okay? That's, uh, that's a fun one. Or, or even, you know, people have had success with this. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Now, that obviously works with people that believe in an afterlife, that believe in eternity. Um, but these are great ways to inquire and to make inquiries about the people that we talk to. Um, and then, of course, we want to introduce. We want to introduce the person to Jesus. We want to introduce them to the matchless Jesus, revealing who he is and what he's done. We want to invite them to accept Jesus, to make sure that we give them an invitation. So if you see an opportunity to ask somebody, hey, would you, would you like to receive Jesus? You need to make sure you give them the invitation to do that. If they're willing, if they're receptible, if they're, they're ready, uh, we would ask them simply, do you want to receive Jesus into your life? And these are great ways to lead people to Christ. And then, of course, lastly, we want to incorporate them into the body of Christ. We want to give them an invitation to come experience what we're all about here at Courageous Church. Or, or, or maybe if they're in a, in a place where, where they can't get to where we are, maybe, you know, let them know about a couple great churches in the area. That's great, guys. We're not the exclusive thing. This isn't about Courageous Church. This is about King Jesus. This is about helping people connect to his body. And so give them an invitation. Obviously, Courageous Church would be preferable uh, because you know they're gonna be treated well and loved well and equipped and discipled well. But, you know, actually invite them to be a part of what we're doing. 
And then lastly, be strong and courageous. Remember that the message that we share is the good news of eternal life. So we want to do so with confidence and joy. Amen? We want to have confidence that God is with us when we go, that he's already preordained moments for us to talk to people and to pray with people. And we want to do so from a place of joy. If you come up to me and you're sharing your faith and you've got a frown on your face, I want nothing to do with you. But if you come up to me and you're smiling and you've got the joy of the Lord and it's just oozing out of your spirit and you're excited about what God's doing in your life and you want to share it with others, I'll most likely want to be, I'll most likely want to listen to what you have to say. Amen? So let's be a people of joy and let's be confident in it. When we go out, we're going we're gonna to encounter people that are at different stages of belief, what I'm calling different stages of belief. And I want to just talk about a few here before we get ready to wrap up. You're going to encounter people that I would call the careless sinner. These are people that could care less about God. All right? These are people that are like, I don't even want to hear what you have to say. And our response to them is love. These kinds of people have most likely been hurt, have most likely been abandoned, have most likely experienced some form of, of trauma. And so what they need is a whole lot of love. I put that in there because I just really believe that people that don't care about God need to experience God's love and they need to experience it from us as believers. You might also encounter what I call the concerned sinner. This is so intertwine our roots together. In spiritual things, someone who's maybe not religious, but very spiritual. You might also encounter people that I would call the convicted sinner, someone that knows that what they're doing is wrong. I know I shouldn't be sleeping with my boyfriend. I know that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but I just don't know what to do, right? They just continue to do it. They need repentance. What we want to introduce to them is the gospel of repentance. You need to repent and turn from your sin and turn toward God, and God's going to help you with this. These are three different stages of belief, but there's, there's more. There's the confessing sinner. This is somebody who's always confessing their sins, but never change. Anybody ever met that person? Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And they just confess their sin over and over and over, but they never actually change because they don't know what it means to put their faith in Christ Jesus. And to these kinds of people, we emphasize the finished work of, of the cross. We, we emphasize not performance, but grace. You've got to put your faith that Jesus has already taken care of your sin problem. And let me tell you how he's done it, right? That's how we help people that are in this category. What about the converted believer? This is somebody that's converted to Christ, yet has done little else in their spiritual walk. I would say there's a lot of these kinds of people in our valley. They need to know what the next step is for them. They're like, you know what? I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. I was actually talking with a young girl yesterday and she says, I've accepted Jesus into my heart, but I don't know what to do next. She's just drifting, just out trying to do life alone. And she needed some next steps. We have to emphasize to these people baptism. You need to be baptized. You need to make a public declaration of your faith to your friends and family and really go all in for Jesus. And you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You need the helper to come and to give you power. What they really need? Discipleship. They need to be discipled. And for some of you, you might encounter people that God's going to give you an ongoing relationship with to actually love and disciple I'll tell you what, when that happens, it's beautiful. Because not only do you get to lead them to Christ, you get to actually train them up in what it means to be a Christ follower or a Christian, amen? And so that's really cool. What a privilege, what an honor. 
And then of course we have what I call the consecrated believer. The consecrated believer has been truly converted, baptized in water, delivered from demonic addictions and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We emphasize to this person the need to be actively committed and involved in a local church because they need accountability. We want to see Christians connected to the power of being in a local church, not just drifting, not just trying to do life by themselves. And then, of course, the final stage of belief, what I call the commissioned believer. This is a disciple of Jesus and an active member of a church. This person needs to be encouraged, trained, commissioned, and released to fulfill the Great Commission by then going and making disciples themselves. Church, we want to be a people, and for those of you who are watching online, we want to be a people that make disciples who make disciples. Because what good is it if it just ends with us, right? We want people to take what we have and to then give it to others who then give it to others. That's how we're going to see God multiply and grow his church, amen? That's how God does it, and that's what God invites us to do. Lastly, I want to just talk about a couple other forms of evangelism, and this is one that we're going to focus on for today. Let's talk about prayer evangelism. Petition is praying for our own needs. When we petition God, when the Bible says through thanksgiving and petitions, make your requests known to God, that's about praying for yourself. When you petition God for his help, Lord, I've got this bill and I need help paying it. Lord, I've got this job interview coming up and I need help figuring out which job to take. You're petitioning God. But interceding or intercession is praying for others' needs. Today, when we go out to share our faith, we're going to pray for people. We're going to use prayer as the window or as the gateway to share our faith and to pray for people. And I believe this, when we pray, there's power. There's power. When we pray for others, we pray, we start by praying for those within our own circle. For many of you, you already do this. You pray for your family and you pray for your friends. You pray for those within your own oikos, what the Bible calls your own household of faith. And this would include people that you work with. This would be people that you're in close proximity to. So people that are in your world already, your oikos, you would pray for them, you would intercede for them. Your oikos is your most immediate mission field. That would include your family, that would include your friends, that would include your neighbors and those you work closely with. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a specific prayer list with the names of people from your oikos on it. Isn't that a fun word to say, oikos? It sounds like a Greek yogurt. Have a list of people. I've got a list of people that I pray for within my own oikos that I want to see God save. I want to see God bring good news to. But intercession is not just praying for your oikos. It's also praying for others. We pray for those outside our own circle. Next slide. The world. We want, that includes our cities. That includes our nations. And of course, we do this every week on Tuesdays. When you guys gather here for prayer, most of you have come on a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. So we want to intercede for people. We want to pray for people. We believe that there's power when we pray. And today we're going to do that. And I'm going to give you just a couple practical ways to do that. Moving forward, I want to talk about the importance of fasting. Because prayer and fasting are intended to go together. Jesus says to a couple of his disciples who come back to him, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Like, why couldn't we do it? And he said, there's some that only can come out through prayer and fasting. Meaning that for some of us, when we go out, we need to fast. We need to take a day before we go out to share our faith to fast, to maybe fast a meal, maybe fast, you know, um, media, maybe cut out some of the distractions. 
Because fasting is a grace that God gives us to focus our hearts on him through prayer and consecration by abstaining from eating, in case you don't know what fasting is, for a time, a season, or a reason. Can I say it again? For a time, a season, or a reason. Fasting along with prayer is powerful. And so there may be some situations that we don't want to step into until we've really fasted well. I want to say this to us and everybody watching. We've got to be willing to sow into hard ground. Utah is a difficult place for a reason. And it may take us years to plow the hard ground so that salvation can come. So I want you to be encouraged. You're a part of the plowing. You're a part of those that go out to sow seeds. This is true in Muslim nations, and it's just as true here in Utah. But here's what I want to say to you as your pastor, and for those of you watching online, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. God is working. God is moving. Even when we don't see it, we like to sing that song, Waymaker. Well, guess what? It's true. God is working even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. You may not get goosebumps. You may not get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for something. That's okay. But just sow anyways. Sow the seed. Plant the seed and know that God is going to work. Stay in faith. When you see things that, that don't happen the way that you want them to, stay in faith. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.